0: Introduction to Nana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Céline Major. Nana by Emil Zola, translated by Burton Rascoe. Introduction in any appreciation of emile zola it is well to admit first of all that he was lacking in taste discrimination selection vision a sense of form indeed in almost everything we have come to deem requisite in an artist but having admitted so much we must also be prepared to acknowledge that he was a man of a kind of genius a conspicuous and in many ways a great novelist and that he exerted a profound and lasting influence upon the development of literature Thus it comes about that even while execrating him, critics have paid tribute, if only by the heat of their disparagement, to the peculiar and particular genius that was his. Their protests have been like the expressions of horror on the part of the righteous, but knowing at the thought of what a spectacle a respectable woman slightly intoxicated might make of herself with one more heady cocktail in her system. Zola was a boorish and heavy-handed seducer who urged upon the novel a very raw and potent drink the result was not pretty or decorous it was often shocking pitiable and disgusting grace modesty and restraint were for the moment in abeyance skirts crawled in careless unkept angles past the knees under the relaxed indifferent posture and unpleasant things came from half-articulate babblings from loose lips and a freed subconscious but the episode showed that life even in fiction might be of the earth earthy and that beneath the enamelled exterior of cultural standards and refinements There exists a heritage of animality that does not, cannot die so long as life lasts, for it is, in the ultimate, the motivating force of even the highest aspirations of life itself. It is true, of course, that in art as in life we make every effort to forget this. We try to become gods by the naive and splendid process of denying that we are mortal flesh and blood, and in this effort we achieve what is or what we agree to be, the divine and ineffable quality of life. That beauty which is but a mirror of our aspirations and of the fine high seriousness of our discontent with the galling truth of living. But by a too insistent employment of this process of denial, while we have perhaps laid up treasures for ourselves in heaven, yet at the same time we have made much trouble for ourselves on earth. Out of a frequency of repetition, we come to believe our fictions, and with the facts denying them in our own case, we come to suspect that each of us is damned and others saved that somehow we are endowed less plentifully with the divine essence which enhalos certain of our neighbours and that we are clots while they have wings and this is not good for our souls the greatest thing in the world probably is reassurance for it alone enables us to fight against the odds of life to follow a vanishing hope and to dislodge the stars now and then with our uplifted heads we cannot be reassured by abasing ourselves with the false impression that we are denied a spiritual quality others possess it was zola's talent to reassure us by showing us phases of life which we flatter ourselves is less beautiful more earthy more wretched than our own he is a great disillusionist a sort of scourge an attila or chief of the visigoths terribly laying waste fictions grown soft and decadent through an excess of culture he goes about his radical prophylaxis in a brutal and peremptory fashion he uses coarse and vulgar words he is not gentle or pitying or sympathetic he does not undress men and women he tears and strips their clothing from them he violates what we are pleased to call the sanctity of privacy he shows us hidden sores and infections malformations blights bruises and corruption he washes away the rouge and mascara he obliterates the pleasing surfaces of the elaborate toilette and vain primpings of life he is one of the first great diagnosticians to pronounce upon the nature of the maladies which corrupt the social body it is possible that he made mistakes that he exaggerated that like all specialists in pathology he had an obsession with certain odious diseases and that he often found them where they did not actually exist but he did not err on the side of optimism or on the side of a fatuous denial of the presence of wasting and degenerating forces it takes a poet often to crystallize in cameo the sum of an achievement edwin arlington robinson has done this in regard to zola he has written a sonnet addressed to the novelist and is at the same time a sharp and just invective against zola's enemies Quote, because he puts the compromising chart of hell before your eyes you are afraid because he counts the price that you have paid for innocence and counts it from the start you loathe him but he sees the human heart of god meanwhile and in his hand was weighed your squeamish and emasculate crusade against the grim dominion of his art never until we conquer the uncouth connivings of our shamed indifference we call it christian faith are we to scan the racked and shrieking hideousness of truth to find in hate's polluted self-defence throbbing the pulse the divine heart of man this sonnet gives completely and superbly the real and final justification for zola he was a great human event he was a moralist in his strange uncouth fashion he saw life realistically perhaps a little astigmatically but without illusions he helped vastly to make it possible for literature to entertain a more virile attitude toward the less romantic aspects of life and to take cognizance of vice crime and the plagues of the underworld as material for sincere and truthful treatment that is why many who were first repelled were later attracted by him that is why george moore came to denounce and remained to imitate him that is why the wise and gentle anatole france was able to revise his first impressions and to seem to change from disgust to admiration when la terre was published france wrote of zola his work is evil and he is one of those unhappy beings of whom one can say that it would be better had he never been born i will not certainly deny his detestable fame no one before him has raised so lofty a pile of ordure that is his monument and its greatness cannot be disputed never has man made a similar effort to debase humanity to insult all images of beauty and love to deny all that is good and all that is worthy nothing could well be more harsh than these words yet some time later we discover that while france loathed he loved he wrote i confided to you in a whisper la Semoire delighted me i have read ten times and with unmixed joy the marriage of coupeau the feast of the goose and nana's first communion they are admirable pictures full of color movement and life yes there are in zola's novels admirable pictures full of color movement and life the explanation is simple he remained faithful to his formula of recording with exactitude that which met his eye art he said is nature seen through a temperament that is as good a definition as any in zola's case we must confess it was nature seen through a very ordinary and prosaic temperament but then that fact too gave to his work a hint of uniqueness the point is that hitherto the temperaments of novelists had been special and precious volatile and poetic imaginative and idealistic zola's temperament lacked these attributes it is the temperament of common sense of bourgeois solidity matter-of-factness and patient industry you have but to imagine your corner butcher as going in suddenly for novel-writing to realize the temperament the tone the vision that zola brought to the business of literature you need not concede that your butcher must be more than literate for zola prided himself upon his literary ignorance he had read practically nothing when he took up the profession of writing and throughout his life he was in desperate fear lest he encounter a work of literature which would alter his point of view or influence his style to this end he avoided in his productive years reading anything except the daily newspapers and books of reference and information the result was that zola was zola an unscholarly and unpoetic middle-class man of vast energy and set opinions who wrote elaborately and minutely documented novels which stand beside balzac's in their historic veracity as revelations of the life of the french race and the generality of mankind possessing the average man's vision writing in the average man's idiom presenting what the average man sees just as he sees it zola became and remained the most popular novelist in france and one of the most widely read novelists the world has produced even the way in which he went at his work is in character and revelatory he was without inspiration beyond that inspiration that comes to a journalist he depended almost not at all on plot he was only faintly interested in the delicate interplay of character the clash of wills in their less melodramatic aspect or the irony of fate he did not patiently await the right word every morning he sat down to his desk and wrote a definite number of pages toward a new novel he permitted himself to rest on sundays and holidays and he had hours in the late afternoon for interviewers and guests the remainder of his time not taken up in eating and sleeping he devoted to the accumulation and ordering of data which he was to put into his novels in his mania for exactitude he sought to give his readers a precise idea of the milieu of the theatre by exact descriptions of an existing theatre a faithful record of language employed by stagehands managers rich backers and actresses he plowed through trade journals and catalogues slang dictionaries and advertisements for words associated with the particular thing he wished to present this passion for photographic certitude has made streets and landmarks the very geography of paris known to thousands of readers in america russia sweden and elsewhere who have never seen and will possibly never see the city his patient descriptions of people his lengthy and repetitious insistence upon their peculiarities and characteristics made the more impressive to the memory by the frankness of his vocabulary and the frequent indelicacy of his observations have made the figures of his novels as well and as generally known as balzac's necessity drove zola into the profession of novel-writing at the age of twenty-five he was earning only forty cents a day and living with his mother and paul cezanne the painter in the rue Saint-Victor abject poverty made it necessary for him to part with his mother who found work as a seamstress he lived on bread cheese fruit and water deprived himself of tobacco and all luxuries one after another of his pawnable possessions went to the usurer for bare necessities finally he found work with the publishing firm of achette as a packer at one hundred francs a month this connection with the firm gave him a tentative confidence in himself as a writer he had talked of life art and literature with cezanne on long evenings when they were both young and full of hope and ambition possibly cezanne's influence upon him has never been duly emphasized or for that matter zola's influence upon Cézanne. one day zola showed his employer a collection of poems he had written the elder achette did not think well enough of them to bring them out but was impressed enough to increase zola's salary to two hundred francs a month and to give him work as a reader it was in this employ that he made up his mind to become a novelist he dedicated to the profession an indomitable and business-like enthusiasm nana stands third in popularity among the zola novels it is a study of the prostitute type and it gives a memorable picture of the life of the tinsel underworld of the paris theaters nightlife, and its parasites perhaps zola pursues nana a bit too relentlessly Certainly his putting a period to her career by showing her as a putrefying corpse is more symbolic than is wholly necessary, but it remains a novel of truth and beauty, even if a beauty of a drab and often terrible sort. Burton rascoe New York City, August Fourteenth, 1922 End of Introduction